the story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. The story of my life. No respect. That ain't got no respect at all. They couldn't score and fell flat. And the 40 shots on goal was 40 shots on goal was a little deceiving. Yeah. And even though they had some really good opportunities, surprisingly, they need to play with that intensity. If those last three, four minutes, the Rangers sometimes don't play at their best level against lower-tier teams. Here's Johnny! Nope, this is Ranger Proud, the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud, here on the Bleed Blue Show. Hey, Steve, how's it going? What's going on, Frank? How you doing, Mr. Ranger Proud? How you doing, man? Very good. Good, good day. Got some hockey news today. I'm excited. Camp starts this week for the rookies. Hockey's back, baby. <laughs> I know you're excited. I know Scott is excited and Glenn, they're both here. We'll talk some some blue shirts, of course, on training camp. And uh, we'll have Mr. Stevenson join us uh, from Newsday. But um, uh, right now, Scott and Glenn are with us, so we'll bring them on and we'll get into the talks. And when Mr. Stevenson calls in, we'll, we'll have that discussion with him. So, Scott, say, just say a quick hello, Scott. We'll come right back to you, bro. How you doing, man? Yes, good evening, gentlemen. And uh, first preseason game, 12 days away, cannot get here soon enough after uh, the taste <laughs> that we got out of my Giants on Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was terrible, wasn't it, guys? But, um... I know the guys are going to be talking about that on Thursday uh, as they missed uh, the post game on Sunday, technical difficulties. But, yes, God, that was brutal, man. Um, and and real, even worse with the New York Jets. It, I haven't seen much Jets hype like this probably in my life, even to include that 98 season, Scott. But, uh, yeah, that I, I, I feel kind of bad for the Jets, man. I normally don't do that, but, Jet, man, that was bad, uh, Scott. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You said it. Uh, you, you know, I got to feel bad for him as well. I know I probably had something to say about uh, Jet fans on that uh, fan analysis show we did a few weeks ago, but uh, I legitimately uh, felt bad for him from this. You know, they had something to be uh, to be excited about, and uh, I have a feeling they're going to be a low-level playoff team, uh, get knocked out first maybe maybe second round maybe or whatnot and it'll be one of those uh one of those seasons like we have as ranger fans uh so often what could have been what should have been what might have been uh one of those uh seasons uh you know losing their uh hall of fame quarterback like that uh definitely a shame you don't like to see that uh they gotta yeah. do something about that i don't want to get too sidetracked about the football but they yeah. gotta do something about these artificial turfs i mean it's ridiculous already how many more guys yeah. gotta go down with a shredded knee or a shredded ankle before they make the league go to grass it's ridiculous right on let's go to glenn hey glenn say hello to the people and we'll go back to our and get mr stevenson off from newsday yes good evening gentlemen and uh, everyone out there um it's going to be great to talk about hockey after the football experiences that uh, you guys were just talking about. Um, I, I, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but it reminded me of that old family guy thing uh, with the Mets where it was like, and it's opening day, and here's the first pitch, and the season's <laughs> over. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, and, right. Uh, you know, I mean, probably not so much, you know, I'm exaggerating, uh, but Giants have a really tough schedule, and uh, – um, you know, I don't think they're as bad as they looked. I think it was a lot of bad luck uh, uh, as well on uh, Sunday night. And for the Jets, I mean, you know, that's a team that had uh, Super Bowl aspirations, and uh, I don't think that's going to happen with uh, Rodgers out for the rest of the year. It's just, it's just unbelievable 
how I mean, if I was a Jet fan, and I'm not a Giant fan, I mean, you talk about the Ranger curse. I mean, to have Rogers play four plays and be out for the season, you think back, you know, uh, to Testaverde back in 98 or 99 when uh, he got hurt in the first game when they were looking to get to the Super Bowl as well. And, boy, if, if, you, if you're a Jet fan, you just got to wonder what, what could happen next. So I guess it's good that uh, we got hockey coming up in a couple of weeks. Right on. Yep. All right, so Mr. RP, we're going to let you lead the discussion. We have uh, Mr. Colin Stevenson from Newsday, a longtime beat reporter for all the teams, We're currently for the New York Rangers. We'll bring them all. Mr. Colin Stevenson, hello. How you doing? The Ring Podcast with Ranger Prowl with Scott, Glenn, myself, Steve. Mr. RP is with us. How you doing, sir? I'm, I'm doing better than Jet fans, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, come wow. on, no. Oh, no. Is anybody really surprised? If you're a Jet fan, don't you live just knowing that something bad is always going to happen? Well, being a Mets fan and a semi-Ranger fan, I'm kind of used to it. But, yeah, I, mm-hmm. that's, uh-huh. I didn't I, – I, didn't, I, I thought he would get more than 75 seconds of play time yeah. before he got hurt. You know, it's, that's, it is a complete shame. And, you know, I look like the guy was really – he had bought in and was all in 100%. And, Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's very sad, but uh, but I can't say you know. Listen, I a long time ago used to be a Jet fan in my younger days, and uh, I think you know when you're a Jet fan, you're conditioned to expect that you can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> all right. After all that happened, the first thing I told my wife last night, Colin, was I hope the Rangers aren't next. <laughs> you, you know, I'm a superstitious guy, and I was like. Oh, the Mets and Yankees struggle, and, and now the Giants look horrible, and the Jets have the injury, and and I don't want the Grim Reaper knocking on the door. So let's just hope training yeah, camp goes smooth. And I would even think, don't, don't <laughs> even think, just uh, just be happy that you know you got uh, you got rookie rookie camp coming starting uh, on on Wednesday, and uh, you know, and that means uh, next week we'll have you know veterans reporting and regular training camp starts, and then uh, they'll be on the ice. Uh, you know. uh, well, speaking with, with Rangers rookie camp, who are you looking forward to see most? Offman, Bedard. Uh, I know Offman played last year in the in the rookie games over in Lehigh Valley, and all I got to see him play. Is is this guy ready to crack the lineup, or do you think he's going to need a little AHL time? Uh, I don't see. Uh, in in all. Uh, all honesty, I don't. I don't see where there's a space for him to get into the lineup. Um, you know, the Rangers, uh, they're kind of unbalanced. You know, they have a lot of talent playing left wing, right? Like, he's a, he's a left wing. And, you know, they all say that they can play either wing, and, and if they have to play center, they can, whatever. But uh, but he's a left wing, and if you look at the way the Rangers roster is constructed, you have Artemi Panarin, who's a left wing, Chris Kreider's a left wing, Alexi Lafreniere is a left wing. Um so, I mean, those are your top three left wings, you know, unless one of those guys moves to the right side, um, then I, I don't see where there's a spot uh, for, uh, you know, for Brandon Othman, um on the on the lineup this year. Uh, and I think uh, there's no need to rush him. The guy's 20 years old. Um, you know, if he goes to Hartford for a, a year or for a while, um I think that's okay. 
uh, yes, you you know he is a first round pick. He you know he is twenty now, and 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 maybe you you'd like to see them squeeze him into the lineup somewhere. Uh, but unless somebody changes positions and moves from left wing to right wing, uh, I you know it may not happen right away, and and that's okay. I think we're all resigned to that possibility. But you know you always. You know, this is why they play the, you know, this is why they play the games. This is why they play the preseason games. This is why they have training camp. If he does something unbelievable that forces you to keep him on the roster, then, you know, you deal with that then. Right. Yeah. That you're looking at, Russell, is that you're looking forward to see play this weekend or at training camp a little bit that we should all keep an eye out for? Well, um, I, I, you know, the, I think, you know, Austin is the biggest name, right? But, uh, you know, my, my, my personal favorite is Adam Sikora, who mm-hmm. was their second-round pick in 2022. So last year, um, he, they didn't have a first-round pick in 2022. They, they had traded it um, for uh, – what's his name? They traded it to Winnipeg for uh, in the trade that brought over um, – who was it? At the trade deadline. Anyway, they they uh they didn't have first round pick. So Adam Sakura was their second round pick. He was their high pick, and uh, he is uh, a feisty little guy who you know really is a sort of a little disturber kind of guy. He plays an entertaining game. I've seen him uh, a little bit in the development camp, um, and I, I like him. I like his game. I think Ranger fans are going to like his game. He too. Um, is not likely going to make the team again. He's only 19, um, and he also plays left wing, so he runs into the same problem that Austin would run into, uh, where there's a lot of left wings, uh, you know, ahead of them on the uh, on the roster. So I, I wouldn't expect to see him, you know, make the roster for for opening night. But but I'm looking forward to seeing what he does and and Austin does in rookie camp and in training camp and in the preseason. Um, and, and and to be able to follow those guys, but if there's if there's one guy that I think has the best chance that's going to be in this rookie camp, the, the guy I think with the best chance is is Matthew Robertson, who's a defenseman. He was a second round pick in 2019. Um, he has played the last two seasons at Hartford, and they you know they still think pretty highly of him. He's a six three, two hundred and ten pound guy. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if he has a strong camp, you know, he could maybe challenge for a spot. You know, there's a sixth defenseman spot that has to be filled. Um, and, you know, so maybe he's in the mix for the sixth spot or the seventh spot. So that's, that's I think, the guy going into rookie camp that has the best chance of making the opening night roster. It's not the sexiest name, but uh, but that'll be the guy if you're, if you're looking for a guy. Otherwise, I think their team – coming into training camp uh i think is pretty well set you know i think uh you know i think we know who their forwards are going to be and i think we know who their you know defense are going to be for the most part the top five certainly we know um there's the guy gustafson who i would i would think would probably be the sixth but as i said you know if matthew robertson or somebody else at training camp has a you know has an outstanding camp and you know maybe there's some flexibility there but I think their team's pretty well set. I don't prizes that I'm expecting, and you know we just want to see how everybody looks. Yeah, do you think um, Eric Jones has a shot at making staying with the team this year? I know going into rookie camp last year, he was the captain, and there was high 
expectations for him, and it just didn't seem to to work out that way. But is this like his season to make or break? You mean Zach Jones? Zach Jones, excuse me. I said Eric. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Um, so Zach Jones is an interesting one. Um, he's, he's played, you know, he's played a few games in the last season, so he's not coming to rookie camp. You know, he'll come in with the other veterans next week. Uh, he got first crack at that third tear lefty spot last last season, and he couldn't do – I don't think he could live up to what they wanted him to be, right? I think he – you know, he's a five foot ten, 175-pound guy who runs a power play. And they needed a big guy who was going to, you know, play third tier minutes and not get any power play time and kind of be strong in his own end. And, and they tried to see if he could do that. And uh, I don't think he did it as well as they would have liked. The other thing is, you know, they, they gave him the first look, but they also had Libor Hayek on the team at the time and they wanted to give him a look too. And so they kind of went back and forth between the two kids and, Eventually, they, they had to pick one, uh, so they decided to send down Zach Jones. Uh, they kept Libor Hayek around for a while, and eventually they sent him back down as well. Um, so Zach Jones is back. Libor Hayek is not back. Um, we'll see We'll see what happens with Zach Jones, but he's still not a 6'3", 210-pound guy. He still is 5'10", you know, 175, 180 pounds. Um, and, you know, what he does best is still run run your power play. And obviously the Rangers have a guy who can do that pretty well in Adam Fox. Um, and they have other guys behind Adam Fox. You know, Keandre Miller can run a power play. Uh, you know, Jacob Truba played the point. You know, he's got the big shot. So, you know, there are guys ahead of Zach Jones as far as, as being, say, the second point man. And then again – you know, if you're going to be that third pair lefty and you're not going to be playing on the power play, it's I just I'm just not sure that a five foot ten inch, hundred and seventy five pound guy is going to be the guy that gets that job. But we'll see. Again, it's you know it is training camp. They do get a chance to play. I'm sure he'll get a lot of ice time in the preseason. And if if he forces them to keep him on the roster, then you know, then they will. Right, um, Scott or Glenn, you want to jump in and? Throw a question, Colin's way. Sure. Uh, welcome, Colin. We're uh, real glad to have you here with us tonight. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you is I, I always wonder when a new coach comes in, and I think this applies to football as well, uh, that coaches come in with uh, kind of a preferred system that they like to play. Um, yeah. And uh, my question to you is, uh, do you think that the type, the, the style that Lavia Alette likes to play, which is kind of a, a forechecking but also uh, defensively responsible, uh, do you think that uh, the Rangers roster, as structured right now, uh, will be a fit for the uh, the system that he wants to employ, or do you think he's going to have to make some tweaks to it? Well, that's an interesting question. Actually, uh, I, I don't I don't see the Rangers as being a you know, a big four checking type team. I mean, if you look at, you know, who their, who, you know, who their person player personnel is, I don't see that happening. You know, the, the idea, I think, uh, you know, all coaches want their guys to four check to some extent. Right. And I I think, uh, uh, you know, certainly Gerard Glant and even, you know, um, uh, you know, David uh, Quinn before him, 
would have loved for those guys to forecheck a little harder and a little more. Um, they tried to get it out of their fourth line, perhaps. Um, and, you know, there were guys that were able to do do it, you know, with the fourth line or what have you, when, you know, when they would trade for Tyler Mott every year or, um, you know, you know, every once in a while you'd have a guy that could do it. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, if you look at their roster that they're kind of loaded with those guys. Um, right. It's certainly not in the top nine anyway, uh, top nine forwards anyway. I mean, if, you know, if some of these guys in the fourth line, you know, can get in there and forecheck and crash and bang and everything, then, and okay, good for them. But, but you know, I don't think you're going to expect, you know, Artemi Panarin or even, you know, Capo Caco to get in there and, and forecheck, you know, or, or like mm. Lafreniere or, you know, any of these guys. So, right. no, I don't think that, you know, if you're looking for a forechecking team, I don't think you're built that way. And I do think uh, that, you know, look, Peter Laviolette's been around the block a time or two. He's coached a bunch of teams. He understands, and he certainly will, you know, will know the Rangers personnel inside and out by the time, you know, they drop the puck on training camp next week. Um, you know, he'll he'll know what to expect from every guy, and he'll know what he has and what he doesn't have. And so, yeah, if, you, if you're talking about is he going to make them forecheck or is he going to uh, sort of tweak his system to tailor it to – to you know, to fit what they do, I think it's going to be the latter. I think you're going to ha- you're not going to get Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider to do something different, you know, at right. their age. Uh, so you're going to have to find a way to tweak your system to allow them to do what they do best. Um, and and I, but I think Laviolette can do that. I think you know, it's a guy that's been around. He's coached a lot of different people. He's coached a lot of years, a lot of teams, a lot of systems and stuff. And I think he'll figure that out. So I, I'm I'm not. Um, I'm not necessarily concerned about how things are going to look system-wise. I'm more concerned with who's going to play, who's going to play mm-hmm. with who, and who's going to play how much. Yep. Well, actually, if I if I could throw one more in there, that that kind of gets into another question that I had for you. Um, a lot of the uh, uh, Lafayette defenders, and and I'm one of them, uh, feel that uh, you know it's. Yes, he does have a tendency to disappear sometimes, but I think some of it is just, you know, all the moving around he's done, uh, the deployment. Uh, again, everybody talks about, you know, the lack of power play time. Um, and uh, so my other question would be, do you think that uh, Laviolette, and again, it depends on how they play, that Laviolette is going to give some of the younger guys a chance, uh, Heedle, Lafreniere, those guys, to uh, – get a little more power play time, a little more, uh, you know, crunch time uh, on the ice uh, to really see what they have? Um, or uh, do you think that, uh, you know, it, I mean, last year with the power play, and this was one thing that was always a bugaboo, you know, I mean, you'd have the first unit out there for a minute and a half, and then you'd have the second unit out there for 25 or 30 seconds. Do you think that uh, Lobby Light is going to try to get a more even balance between the uh, uh, the first unit and the second unit, obviously depending game by game how they're going. Well, so you know that's that's a, another interesting question, and it's you know I I don't know the, you know the honest answer is I I have no idea. I mean I think every coach has tried to do it. You know um, Gallant tried to do it. You know and, you know it may not have looked like he did, but uh, but he did. Um, he didn't want the the first unit out there for ninety seconds out of every two minute power play. Right. Um, Dan right. Quinn didn't want 
want the first unit out there for 90 seconds out of a two-minute power play. But, you know, at the same time, if Panarin doesn't want to come off and if Mika doesn't want to come off, um, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're if you're taking off Adam Fox and putting on somebody that's not Adam Fox, you know, you can see why you, – you can see kind of the conundrum that, that you have there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that's – you know, there was a time I think late in the season when you know after after they had gotten Patrick Kane at the deadline, um, they you know that that Gallant tried to um, you know tried to mix it up and, and kind of switch up the units toward the end and, and I think even a little bit in the playoffs um, to maybe have two even units and see what that looked like. You know, he split up mm-hmm. uh, you know put Kane on one unit and you know. And and Mika on a different unit, you know all that. You know Kane and Kane and Panarin were on one unit, and Mika and and Kreider and you know were on, on another unit. So you, you you can try to do that, and it'll be interesting to see if Laviolette does do that. Um, but you know this power play one unit that they've had has been together for a number of years, and you swap out mm-hmm. Ryan. With you know, with uh, uh, you swap out Ryan Strom and you move in, you know Vincent Trocheck, and otherwise it's the same unit that's been there for two, three seasons. Um, sure. So, uh, you know, I think it's hard to do. It's harder. It's harder to do than than you know than to say. Um, but yes, I mean, you, you know, everybody wants to see Lafreniere get more power play time. Everybody wants to see Kako get more power play time, and Heedle get more power play time. And that'll be, you know, that'll be what we'll be watching for to see if Laviola can find a way to do that. Now, you know, in talking to people in Washington, you know, he was not known for being that coach that played young guys in Washington. Right. You know I mean, right. So, so I don't know that I necessarily expect things are going to change that radically in regards to, you know, are LaViolette and Kako and, and Hedl going to get more power play time? I, I just don't know. I don't, you know, who, you know, who are you going to take off to put those guys on? So, um, right. so yeah, let's, let's see. I mean, you, you know, you, you could say, well, maybe you could take Trocek off, but Trocek wins you the face off. So, right. you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. so I don't know. I, I just don't know uh, how he's going to manage to do it unless those kids kind of step up and force his hand. Right now, uh, looking at the way the roster uh, has been put together, you have to think that we can't have the kid line anymore. There's just no way because Kako has to play in one of those top two lines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's entirely possible that you end up finally once and for all moving Lafreniere from the left wing to the right wing so that he can get into one of those top two lines. It's also possible yeah. that you – you know, you you swap Heedle and, and Trocek and have Heedle be your nominal number two center and Trocek drop down to your three center and you kind of, uh, you know, rebalance the lines in a different way. So these are things that we're going to be watching for to see what, you know, what LaViolette does with the lines and who he puts with who. I mean, I, I would have to think that you keep Mika and Kreider together. But after that, I, I don't know, you know, who he's going to play with who. And that's that's the most interesting thing I'm waiting to see. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, Scott, you have anything for us, brother? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm glad you guys addressed the power play. That that was 
pretty much my sentiment exactly. We were <clears throat> talking about that last year, how the, the power play that was so lethal the year before in those playoffs was pretty much solved with the um, – you know, Kreider's tippings were no longer as effective, and Panarin's advantage uh, 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 as one timer. The goalies were getting over there, and they pretty much didn't have much. So, yeah, definitely wanted to see uh, some <clears throat> the second unit get uh, more time because in the 20 to 30 seconds that they had, they looked sharp, they looked energetic, just you know, just like the kid line did. Um, so, I guess my question would be uh, regarding Lafreniere. I know that we. Um, you, you talked earlier about possible, uh, you know, other guys, roster situation, whatnot. Are you concerned at where he is at this point? I mean, he's only 21. We know that. That's what, the, you know, that's, you know, the, the, the one thing that comes up in defense is his age. He's only 21. But on the other hand, you know, he does have three full years of experience. And, yes, he, maybe he didn't get a fair shake uh, as far as the third line. But I don't really buy that because that kid line, they might have been on the third line, but that kid line got plenty of ice time, um, you know, from, from two years ago's playoffs on once it became evident how, how effective they were. So, I, I, I mean, I, I haven't seen the numbers, but i got to assume that that kid line got – you know, more ice time than most others, if not any other third line in the league. So I don't buy the whole, you know, he's not getting a fair shake for, for ice time. So my question is, are, are you concerned that you would have liked to have seen him uh, show more flashes by now of the superstar we were hoping to get out of him or is patience the virtue? Well, I think it depends, you know, if you're asking me as an individual, like my opinion, I would say I'm sort of torn, right? Because I think you can look at it either way. Um, I, I think you, you think that their argument always is that, you know, listen, you get a Jack Hughes that goes to a terrible Devils team. You get you get a what's a you know, you get all these guys that go to really bad teams, right? I mean, the number one pick always goes to the worst team, theoretically. Um, and in, in, in the case of Lafreniere, he didn't. The Rangers, you know, won that. That was a crazy, ridiculous, you know, COVID year lottery with the restart in the summer and playing hockey and playoff hockey in August and what have you. And, um, and somehow, uh, because they took 24 teams – to the, to, you know, to Toronto and, and Edmonton for the, you know, for the restart of that season, um, instead of just having a lottery with the, with the the seven teams or the eight teams that didn't make, you know, didn't make the uh, the restart, you know, they did something really ridiculous, which is saying, okay, those those teams are gonna we're gonna have a lottery among them. And then we're gonna leave a space open for one of the one of the twenty four teams that doesn't make it to the sixteen, you know, whatever. They, they had some cockamamie convoluted system, and the Rangers, of course, were one of the twenty four teams that made it um, to Toronto. And then uh, they ended up winning winning the, the first pick overall, and they got Lafreniere. They had, they should not have gotten Lafreniere. They weren't bad enough, and she, he should have gone to Detroit or somebody. Detroit was terrible that year. Um, and if he would have gone to Detroit somebody, he would have gotten way more ice time and you would have played on the top two lines and the top two power plays and stuff like that. So all of that's true. And I, I hear what you're saying. It's three, you know, all of that, yeah, 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 but it's three years and, you know, what's he done? I mean, he had 12 goals in a 56-game season the first year. 
He had 19 goals his second year. He had 16 goals last year. I mean, they're okay numbers, and if he was just a good player, you know, a good young player, you'd say, all right, he's making progress. But the fact is he was the number one overall. He was supposed to be this superstar player, and, and instead Tim Stutzler is better than him, and Jack Hughes is better than him, and all these guys are better than him. Um, and am I, am I concerned that he's not what he was supposed to be or sold to be? No, I, I'm not if, if I'm just looking at the Rangers, right? Because all I care about in this case is the Rangers. And if he is going to help the Rangers, however he helps the Rangers, good for the Rangers, right? Obviously, if he was a 40-goal scorer and making $8 million a year, that would help the Rangers, no question about it. But I think he can help them, you know, as a third-line 18-goal-a-year kind of guy. And if the rest of the team is doing what it's supposed to do and the Rangers win the cup, who cares? I don't. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't, I don't think I'm that – concerned about it now yes you look across the river at jack hughes and that guy's making whatever he's making seven million eight million a year whatever it is and you know and he's tearing it up and he's he's legit superstar that's great but he has to be that and and lafreniere doesn't have to be that for the rangers so i i don't know that's the way i look at i look at from the team perspective as long as everybody's doing what they're supposed to do and the team's getting where it's supposed to get I don't care who scores the goals. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it just doesn't really matter to me. I think he's a good player, um, and I think he's going to play a long time in the league. Uh, and that's that's all that matters to me. What do you think? Um, well, I, I wish I could share your optimism, but um, <laughs> you know, as Steve and the rest of the crew here can attest, uh, I'm disappointed in, in where he is. Um, because as, you know, as, as a long, lifelong Ranger fan, I'm just so sick of these big, kind of supposedly big time, you know, guys not really amounting to what as advertised. And I get what you're saying. I mean, like, like uh, for example, like, like Heedle, I'm more than happy with. I mean, Heedle was was a you know first round, uh, you know, upper echelon pick, and I'm more than happy with with what he. Um, Materialize into, and even Kako is, you know, he's still developing. That I think that's the difference between Kako and, and Lafreniere is that Kako is, has been showing signs of improvement constantly, and I, I'm I'm fully confident that he's going to take a big leap this year. I think he's going to get top six more, uh, time, and I think he's going to stay there. Well, I, you know, I think he, he needs to stay there. If he, if he doesn't stay there, we got a problem uh, with the team. We we was, you know we talked about that a few uh, few shows ago, but um, I, I just I'm just not seeing the um, the, the the development I'm just not seeing improvement and I think you know I, I think you, you hit it right when you compared him to Jack Hughes because everybody likes to compare Kako to Hughes because they were the one and two in that draft but I think a more fair comparison is Lafreniere and Hughes because they're both number ones and and yeah like you said Hughes was drafted to to a, a team that legitimately deserved the one pick unlike us that year definitely but um, even though he had nothing to work with and he was you know you know young and green and whatnot, you could still see the flashes of greatness. And you could see even in his rookie year that this kid's going to be a star. And we're just not seeing that at a Lafreniere. And I just don't see him developing. Like you, you don't, you know, a guy who's just, you know, going to be a legit superstar. You could tell that early on. And even, you know, I, I just, I, I just, I'm not seeing anything out of his game that resembles, 
you know, okay, he, he, if he takes in a couple more steps, all right, he'll be an upper echelon player. I just don't see an upper echelon player out of him. And, I mean, I get what you're saying. If, if he's a good compliment for – if he's destined to be, a, you know, on a, a, a third line his whole career, so be it. But – I think if he does turn out to that, uh, and yes, if he's if he's a third line fit on our team that wins the Stanley Cup, who cares? Absolutely, but I, I just think we were supposed to get more than that. We were supposed to get uh, you know an all star out of this guy, and, and I think it's just disappointing if we don't get that um, because I think as an all star, you know, as a young all star is is where he would help more in um, you know he would be a driving force uh, in a Stanley Cup team as opposed to just the third line, you know, compliment meat and potatoes guy. He's not supposed to be that. So I wish I could share your optimism on him, but I, I just don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. I wanted a superstar out of him and I'm so sick of not being able to form a superstar in this franchise. <laughs> this is what we do with every week. Let me tell you. I mean, I mean, I, listen, I, I I hear what you're what you're saying, and and I think the the issue would have been like you're right. If he was going to be a superstar, we would we would have seen signs by now. Um, and and I guess kind of what I'm saying is I don't care if he's a superstar or not. He kind of fell into the Rangers' lap. He's not. Look, the, the San Francisco 49ers traded four draft picks to move up to take Trey Lance to be their quarterback, right? So, and again, that's not Trey Lance's fault that they did all that. But that's a mistake, right? That the 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 49ers did that to go after a guy who ended up not being, in their estimation, not that good. The Rangers did nothing to get Lafreniere. They didn't trade up to get that pick. You know what I mean? Like he fell into their laps. So why right. should they be entitled to that? You know what I mean? I don't I don't I don't see it now. Now Lafreniere, you know, he could have been like you know like to me it seems the people in Canada are much more uh, annoyed. Because, you know, here's a Canadian kid that was supposed to be the next Sidney Crosby or whatever. Um, and, and I think that they think that the Rangers have somehow ruined them. And it, and it may be. It may be that what they should have done is just move them to right wing and said, you know what, shut up, you're playing right wing. And it may be that Gerard Gallant just didn't want to do that because he doesn't like having left-handed shooters on the right. So I don't know, whatever. Whatever it was. But, you know, I mean – if he's going to play left wing, he's going to play behind Panarin and Kreider. Kreider had 52 goals two years ago, you know, and, and Panarin is Panarin. So I, I don't see, you know, where is there for Alexi Lafreniere to go unless he moves to the right wing. And maybe ultimately that's what's going to have to happen if he's going to be more than what he is right now. I mean, I don't, I, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't know based on what I've seen and I, I've seen him for three years now. I don't know that he's going to be, what we were told he was going to be. I, I don't believe that because I, I believe that what you said is true. If he was going to be that, we would know it by now. We would have seen it. Um, and, and we haven't seen it. What we've seen is what we've seen, which is, you know, a nice young player who's 21 years old and scored 16 goals last year, um, which is okay. And, and if the Rangers win the Stanley cup, nobody cares. So that's how I choose to look at it. You know, if this guy, if all he's going to be is a third line guy who helps you win. I'm okay with that. But you know, I guess you're not okay with that. <laughs> That's great. Steve, <laughs> do you uh, have a question for Colin, or you want to defer to the end? I know I, I have actually have a couple of questions. Um, one Ranger related, and also one beat 
uh, reporter related, but it, this is actually more of a theme of the Alexi, Alexi Lafreniere conundrum we're in. I mean, this is why we're here for a lot in this offseason in the summer. And I think he's a victim by the operations of the system. Because like you said, Colin, it's the flip-flopping of the left wing, right wing, just, you know, him going back and forth in the lineup. He's naturally a left winger. And I think that's where he should be. A couple of things happened, like you said, with the draft, um, the, or the Rangers winning that draft. You had to take the best player. There's no way around it. You don't want to get cute and pick something out of the box and really get trashed by the media, you know, you guys, right? But Lafayette. La <laughs> they could not yeah, it, not take him. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you couldn't not. How are you going to not exactly. take him? Right, right, exactly. So comes, you know, Panarin and his $11 million. You, you signed him in, in one off season, And then what Scott said earlier in this episode about, or it was it Glenn, and not the it was Scott, about, Chris Kreider's goal explosion two seasons ago, now you're kind of stuck with Lafreniere at his natural left-wing position on that third line. But, but here's the really the question. I mean, let's go back to that. Here's question number one. If you can share this with the Bleed Blue Show, the Ring podcast with Ranger Proud, what is the plan for Lafreniere ultimately get to the, through this season? And as well as how do you think the Rangers are navigating to get in a better playoff position through the 82 games by playing, which – Best available players start with with Lafreniere as their focal point. How did how should they do this to to really get to a Stanley Cup position? I I, I think that what's ultimately going to have to happen is he's going to have to shift to the right wing uh-huh. so that he can play on the top two lines. Like right now, if you look at their roster as it's currently constructed, right? Blake Wheeler is a right wing, so okay, good. Right. Uh, Kako is a right wing. Okay, good. So that's two right wings that are going to go in your top three lines. But at this stage of his career, I, I think you were probably hoping that Blake Wheeler would be a third line right wing rather than a second line right wing. I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see what he has. Uh, but I think the only way for for Lafreniere, well, there's two ways for Lafreniere to get in the top two lines. One is for him to switch to the right wing and and you know play with Mika and Kreider, or play with Panarin and, and Trocek. Um, the other way for him to get into the top two lines is if, uh, let's say, LaViolette says, you know what, I'm going to put the kid line back together, but I'm going to make them the second line, or, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Uh, and then I'm going to put, I'm gonna put uh, Panarin with Mika, and I'm, I'm going to put Panarin with Mika, put Wheeler up there, let's say. I'm going to put uh, the kid line together, have that be the second line, and I'm going to have a third line of Trocek and Kreider and somebody else. I like right? that. That's the only – that's one way that Lafreniere gets into the top six. And the other way is to switch to the right wing. I personally feel that um, he should switch to the right wing and see what happens. Give that a shot. See if that works. Um, he scored 19 goals in his second year, his first full year. He played, I think, 79 games or something. That was the, that was the coming out of COVID year kind of thing. So, thing everybody had COVID at some point. And I think he missed three games. I think he played 79 games. He scored 19 goals. Had a really good year. Most of that year he spent on right wing, you know, playing with Mika and Kreider. So, I would like to see that happen. But you know, I'm not the coach, so we'll we'll see what Laviolette does. Um, and then, as I said, now my guy is Phil Edel. Like, Phil Edel scored a bunch of goals last year, you know, 20-something mm-hmm. goals. So, 
I'd like to make sure that Phil Heedle doesn't get lost in all of this and that Phil Heedle gets ice time and, you know, and, and he, uh, he gets a ton of ice time because I think he's, he's a really good player and he's young too. So maybe you give Heedle a chance to play with Panarin, you know, and make him the second line center. And then you drop Trocek down to the third line. I don't know what he's going to do, but I want to make sure that Heedle gets, gets ice time. And I'd like to see Laff get some ice time too, but I, I don't know how exactly he's going to do that. Yeah, right. I, and I agree with that. And that's the, that's what we've said for years. Like when Hedl was drafted in the same draft with Leah Anderson, it was the same or a similar situation with Hedl, with where they tried to put him at wing, where he's more efficient or more productive at center. You're just starting to see the dividends of that when a guy plays at his natural position. Some guys are interchangeable. If Lafreniere was to go to right wing, even though he's young, I think his natural position is left wing. So it's a really a, a, a sticky situation on how you get the maximum out of your lineup. Uh, my question number two is really more beat writer, you know, because you've been doing this for a very long time. So I just got to ask you because you're the current Rangers uh, beat writer for Newsday. But you know, going back in the day, since the '90s, with you with the Islanders, like how how is it different as a beat writer getting the news from the franchise back then versus? Uh, to what it is now with the age of social media, like how what's the adjustments in your career and how you see it as a beat writer from the beat writer perspective? Uh, it, you know, it's a lot of it's all different, right? So there's there's a lot fewer newspapers, um, you know, certainly a lot fewer that that travel on the road with the teams. Um, you know, when I when I covered the Islanders back in the '90s, in the early '90s, you know, newspapers traveled with the Islanders. I worked for the Daily News. We traveled. The Post traveled. It wasn't just Newsday. I mean, the New York Times traveled with them. So, I mean, there were four of us on the road, you know, from newspapers. Now, I think Newsday is the only uh, newspaper that travels with the Islanders. Um, you know, and in those days, of course, you know, with the Rangers, a bunch of people travel with the Rangers um, oh. in terms of newspapers and stuff. So, in terms of beat writers, I think there's there's there there are fewer of us that are around the team on a daily basis. Um, you know, but then the social media, you know, changes things as well. I mean, you know, I, I tell people this all the time, you know, in those days, if you, if you broke a story, it was yours all day, right? I mean, you know, your paper came out, you had a story in the paper, and nobody else had it. Everybody was chasing you the whole day, you know, or vice versa. If, if, if you didn't have a story and somebody did, you were a loser that day. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was a whole day of misery. Now with social media, you know, if Larry Brooks has a story and he, and he, and he breaks it on, on X, formerly, formerly Twitter, um, I see it. And, you know, he doesn't have it the whole day. He has it for a couple of minutes until the rest of us can get a post up. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's, it, it's, uh, it's changed from that standpoint. Um, in, in terms of, uh, the impact that you have. Um, but, you know, there, there are other things with social media. You know, I think fans now have more access to all of us um, and, and they get to know our, our personalities a little bit more and we get to have a little bit more personality. Um, you know, when we, you know, are on Twitter, you know, we can joke around, we can, you know, we can, you, know, you guys see the banter that I have with all the other guys, you know, with, with uh, Vince Pacquiao or Molly Walker or, or you know, or Arthur Staple. Um, you know, we joke around, we poke fun at each other and stuff. You know, it's a, you know, you can show your personality a little bit more. Uh, 
you know, on social media, you know, and basically when I write my, my story for the day, I mean, I'm writing 500 words and it's, you know, get to the point, but on, on social media, I'm able to kind of, I don't want to say be more myself, but I'm, I'm able to be a little bit looser. You know what I mean? So I I think it's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a give and take. I think social media has made it more difficult and, uh, but, but also sometimes in some ways a little bit more fun too. All right. All right. And thank you very much on that. I I have a question that's a hockey related, but towards the end of the game, do you hate to shoot out as much as I do? And and I I know you do, but Colin, (laughs) it's been funny. A a couple of times when I've been to a game and we've gone to a shootout when Rick Coppinell was still riding, you and Rick and I would chime in going, you know, please someone score in, in, in overtime. I, Never met no, two other guys I, who I think despise the shootout as much as no, and no. the guys you know here know I, it. You know what? I, I, have to, I have to confess. I was talking to my son about this the other night. You know what I hate more than the shootout is three-on-three overtime. I Absolutely. can't stand three-on-three. You know, so I actually, you know, I actually if, you, if, you are, if you are determined to break ties and you can't have ties anymore and we're going to have a shootout regardless, I would say just go to the shootout. I, I think oh. the three-on-three stuff is BS. Because, you know, I mean, you know what I hate when these guys, you know, they have possession of the puck and they cross the blue line and they cross it back and they want to hold you. It just slows the game down, you know. Like, that's not what the the idea of three-on-three was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, oh, you have all the space, you go to the net. Now these guys are pulling it back out. They're bringing it back into their own zone. It's just like you're wasting my time with this. Just go to the (laughs) shootout. If if, if If that's what it's going to be, Let's just do that. Get rid of, for me, get rid of the three-on-three. Just go to shootout. Or, you know, go back to four-on-four. I, mean, I didn't mind the four-on-four as much, but the three-on-three really bugs me. See, I would like the four-on-four and just extend the overtime a few more minutes. And then, well, yeah. I, mean, you, I don't you know, do maybe, yeah. maybe go back to ties. Maybe go back to a different, you know, Scott well, and I no, thought about it, a different We can't have that anymore. <laughs> you know, because yeah, yeah, I'm old and like I like ties, but I'm old, so we can't have that anymore. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, but you know what I would do though? Seriously, in all in all seriousness, I don't see the point of of having points anymore. I mean, if you're gonna have a winner every night, just do what the NBA does. Just have a winner and a loser every night. Right. You know, what do I need points for? So you can, you know. It used to be you, you came to a game, there was two points there. If you won, you got them both. If you tied, you shared the points. If you lost, you got nothing. Now you right. can lose a game in overtime and still get a point. That doesn't, I, don't, I don't buy that. I don't like it. Or if you I want to do it, it, do a three-point system. It's just what it is now is just, is just silly. You know, I just think it's what's your incentive? You know, five minutes left in a tie game, what is the incentive that you have to, win. to try and win the game? Why not just play out the five minutes, get your point, and then figure it out after that? So I agree. That's how- but the NHL but that- and Bateman seems to love the shootout. He thinks, I don't know, we speak with a lot of fans, and, and I get beat up a lot on Twitter, but a lot of people don't like how a, a contest at the end of practice to buy beers is now determining who makes it into the playoffs. You know, a team that has right. 10 overtime losses still got 10 points. Right. So it's, right. It, it doesn't that's, make. That's, I don't understand how the league is saying, "Well, this is good for the game." I would think extend the overtime and just give it to the winner, and and that's it. And that might make it more 
interesting. Otherwise, you know, you know how it is. The last 10, 15 games of the season, teams are trying to leapfrog and they're going, well, we pull a point here. It's hard to catch a team if you just keep getting ties because they're always getting one point. So it's hard. Right. You lose that, that chase at the end of the season, I feel, because it's not just I need to leapfrog three times, three teams, let's say, but I need to hope they don't tie or lose in a shootout and then still chasing them. So I just think they need to come up with a a better way. But on the flip side, the league seems to be pretty content and happy with it. So Yeah, the league likes of, it, you know. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, I, again, I, I talked to, you know, my son's a huge hockey fan. And, uh, you know, and he reads everything. He reads more than I do probably. And, and, uh, and one of the things that he was saying is that he thinks that at the next collective bargaining agreement they're going to do something and maybe they'll tweak the overtime rules and stuff. Um, there's something that's, to me, I think it needs to be tweaked in some manner. You know, I don't know what the, what the answer is. I just know I hate the three on three. I don't, you know, if you, if you're going to do the other thing you could do is if you're going to do a three on three and, and you want to get rid of shootouts, just do the three on three for 10 minutes, like you say, yes. and somebody's going to score. And, 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 but, but I wouldn't like that either. I, I still wouldn't like that. I just, I feel like hockey's six on six, you know, like Jigs McDonald used to say six on six. Cause the goal is right. Count. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and that's, that's hockey. And if you, if you make it, you know, three skaters a piece and all this extra ice time, then that's roller hockey. You know what I mean? Oh, great. Yeah. Jigs McDonald, there's all time hockey, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Jigs and Ed Ed Westfall. Oh my. Jigs used to to have this thing where he'd say, you know, like the penalty would be over and he'd say, teams are back to six aside. And, you know, everybody calls it five or four or whatever, but like (laughs) Jigs' point was the goalie counts too. So it should be six. And I never could argue with him on that. I mean, you know, I guess he was right. That's great. Well, and, and, you know, Colin, we were talking about this. I don't know if it was the last time we were on or the time before. uh, And we were talking about, you know, overtimes and shootout losses and all that stuff. And, um, I had looked at the records, and based on, you know, the shootouts and everything, if it didn't work the way it did, um, the Devils actually would have caught Carolina and passed them, and the Rangers yeah. would have played Carolina in the first round. So, you know, not only is it affecting games, but it's affecting how the playoff matchups go. And, and it yeah. just seems so artificial. Uh, you know, who knows, what, who knows what would have happened if the Rangers played Carolina in the first round last year. So, I think the Rangers, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I the whole thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, they, I don't think they're going to do something, but they really got to do something. I mean, the, the, and I agree with you on three on three as well. Uh, not only are guys, you know, circling around and in the zone and out of the zone, you know, but then, then you get somebody takes a shot and it goes wide. Then you got a three on one, one way. Then you got a three on one the other way. Then you, I mean, it was exciting for a couple of years, but now it's kind of like, you know, this is like a bunch of kids playing out on a pond, and uh, you know, it shouldn't be, uh, it it shouldn't be deciding, uh, you know, who makes the playoffs and who don't, and the matchups and everything else, and it just, uh, it just seems for a real hockey fan, kind of a, a farce at this point. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I just I just feel like we have points. You know, you get two points for a win. And you don't get any if you lose. You know what do we need to break ties for? You know, right. I mean, and if you're gonna, if you, if you must break ties, then we don't need points. Just mm-hmm. have wins and losses like they do in the NBA. I mean, I just I, I don't. But you know, 
whatever. I'm just old school and you know, nobody cares what I think. Uh, it's not, it's not <laughs> just you. I'm, I'm, I'm old school too. I agree. I, I, when I was back then, I didn't mind the ties as much as everyone does now for some reason. If it was, it's like this reward thing. Well, you played a good game, so he has a point for a tie. It just doesn't, it doesn't add up. But like you said, people just seem to, uh, they don't like to pay money to go to a hockey game and then leave the way it started, I guess. So. I guess, but you know, anyway, that's uh, you know, that's that's uh, that's that's a question for somebody with a higher pay grade than me. So you know, I mean, <laughs> I can just complain about it, but that's all I can do. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So, I, I got to ask this one more question, and then we're gonna go to Scott. Tyler Mott, were you surprised he signed for eight hundred thousand, and the Rangers didn't offer it to him, or didn't want to, or did he didn't not want to stay? I, I thought he was signed for a lot more. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, look, I, I think that he thought that he was worth more than that, and he probably, you know, based on – he should have at least gotten what he got last year, right, which was 1.35. Um, and he didn't get it, and he didn't get it from anybody. Now, if right. you believe, you know, you know, a report out there, I think Larry Brooks said, you know, he was talking to people and he said this guy was asking for $2 million. It wasn't clear, you know. I I don't know if he was going to get two million from anybody, but he certainly wasn't going to get that from the Rangers. So if he wanted to play for the Rangers, he would have had to do what you know what Jonathan Quick did, you know, uh, and just take whatever they were offering. And and obviously he didn't do that. So you know he ends up going. You know, by the time he signed, right, the Rangers were, you know, they had their team. Like you know, the door was closed. Right if he was willing to sign for that kind of money on July 1st or 2nd, actually, I guess they got all the business done on the 1st. So if he was willing to sign for that kind of money on July 1st, he would be back. Um, But he wasn't. And so once he decided not to do that, they went, they found somebody else that would sign for $800,000. And now their team is set. It's like I said earlier, like, I don't, I don't see me, you know, where is there the opportunity for a guy, a breakout camp star to make the team now? I, I, I don't see it. I think they're, you know, they're locked into 12 or probably the top 12 forwards anyway are locked in. Uh, I think they're only going to carry 13, right? They're probably going to carry 22 players on the roster. So that's 13 forwards and, and, and seven defensemen and two goalies. Uh, right. I think those top 12 or 13 are pretty well locked in. I don't, I just don't see – um, you know, if Tyler Mott had come back to the Rangers yesterday and said, "Hey, I'm willing to, to play for eight hundred thousand, I, I I don't see how they could have fit him in. I think their team is is already set. I think that ship had sailed on him. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't trade for him at the deadline again for the third year in a row. He certainly, you know, if he's only making eight hundred thousand, then it shouldn't be a problem in terms of accommodating him. You know, in at it. At the at the at the deadline when they have all that cap space, um, so maybe we'll see him again for the third year in a row. I mean, he fits. <laughs> you know, he fits. They like him. They just don't want to pay him. All right, Scott, what you got? Yeah, there, there's always been some head scratchers to me on uh, on the on, on some of these juicy bottom six guys that I like. That Tyler Mott being one of them, and you see them sign for somewhere 
for next to nothing, and you're like, how could we not afford that? Um, like Brian Boyle, for example, when he left Tampa, how the Devils signed him for 1.5, and I'm thinking, like, how does he not sign here for 1.6? Like, 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 come on. And um, I'll give you a blast from the past. Uh, Blair Betts, I really loved him uh, as a player liner, and I don't remember the uh, – <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I love that guy. I almost got his jersey. I um, – I, I don't remember the the finances involved, but he, but where he signed was like next to nothing, and I couldn't believe it. I I said, how could we not offer him a better contract? Those those those, those bottom six guys are so integral. I mean, as we've talked about a million times, and you know, in '94 they tried uh, at the trading deadline, a first place team traded uh, two beloved big guns in terms of scoring for uh, for you know some meat and potatoes guys, and that was the difference. Uh, you know, we were able to grind out. Uh, the Devils and Canucks series that went the distance because of those guys we picked up. So, uh, you know, I've always been a big fan of the, uh, of, of the, the, you know, the meat and potatoes guys and I, just some head scratchers as to some of these guys that we let walk for next to nothing, but whatever. Yeah, um, but it's, you know, so you got to remember too, in a, it's a salary cap era now. I mean, like in 1994, yeah. there was no salary cap. All right. That was the, uh, that was that the last season. That was the last season before the salary cap. Cause they, they went to the lockout no, the cap. The cap didn't come until uh, the 05 of lockout. Um, so right. remember Glenn Sather, Glenn Sather just buying everyone uh, from ninety from uh, from ninety seven to 04, just just putting yeah. you know five years ago's all star teams on the ice and getting absolutely nowhere <laughs> for seven straight years. And then the salary. I think even as Ranger fans, we were like, all right, you know what? Maybe we do need a salary cap. This is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> But the salary cap, and the, you know, and, and obviously COVID, you know, again, let's let's not forget. I mean, COVID, you know, affected a lot of people's lives in a lot of ways, and in a lot more uh, significant ways than this. But one of the things it did to hockey is it, it, you know, it kind of, you know, the the flat cap for the last X number of years, and, uh, and it's put some teams in a bind because, you know, and some players too, because some players are make are making less money than they probably, uh, you know, are worth. Um, and teams don't have the space. But it's like Chris Drury said on July 1st, you know, everybody knew, all the agents knew, you know, like they all they all have access to the Internet. They all have access to cap friendly. I mean, they know what the Rangers' salary cap situation looks like. I mean, they know the Rangers had no money, and that's why I come back to, like, a Tyler Mott. How are you going to ask for $2 million if you know what the Rangers' cap situation looks like? You know, you know they can't afford to pay you that. So if you're going to ask for that kind of money, then it tells me that you don't want to come to the Rangers. So – you know, um, these guys end up. You know, Jonathan Quick was the one that blew me away, playing for eight hundred twenty-five thousand. I mean, you know, yeah. come on, really? I mean, the guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, you know, probably. And and it just just didn't seem. I don't know. It just seemed like a, a bargain basement deal for him. Um, so Gustafsson playing for eight hundred thousand. I mean, shouldn't that guy get a million somewhere? You know, at least. You know, so guys took these ridiculously low ball contracts on July one. And, you know, Tyler Mott wasn't willing to do that on July one. And, you know, the end, the end result is he, he took one, you know, yesterday, you know, in September. So, uh, you know, it is what it is, you know, but, uh, yep. but, you know, the, 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 the cap's going to go up eventually, right next year. I think it's going to go up a little bit. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, maybe we can get, you know, guys can get paid a little bit more. I mean, I think that's why, uh, you know, you get you know, see a guy like Keandre uh, or even Lafreniere signing these two-year deals. Um, you know, hopefully they'll they'll make the bag in their next contract. 
No, I thought I thought the Miller That's contract fair. they 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 gave him a good contract three for two years and the range of soil control because we'll be in RFA after that. I thought that was I thought for his contract that was them giving him a little bit more, showing that they want him to be here and him compromising the other way. I, I and and he's a restricted free agent. It was a great signing by Drury. I mean, I I think uh, I think me personally, I think that he's probably worth more than that, right? So I think he took less money. But again, he's a guy that clearly wanted to be here, clearly understood what the Rangers were looking at in terms of, you know, their salary cap and how much room they had and how much room there was left for him. And he knew that Lask had to sign. And so I think, you know, he ended up signing. I think it's a team-friendly deal. You know, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I think it's a team-friendly deal. But, again, if it's a short-term deal, maybe he makes the bag, you know, in his next deal when, you know, when there's more more room under the cap. Right. And and with that, what happens with Ryan Lingren now? He's making $3 million this year, and then he's a restricted free agent. His contract yeah. is going to be tough next season depending on the salary cap, correct? Um, but, I, you know, I think you find a way, right? I mean, with a guy mm-hmm. like that, I think you find a way. I mean, unless there is uh, a replacement that you have that's in your system that's coming up. And let's say it's Matthew Robertson, although I have my doubts about that. Um, you know, but I'm looking at the at the Rangers cap friendly. Lindgren's an RFA with arbitration rights. So he's going to get paid, you know, right. barring anything, you know. So he's going to get paid. So if you're the Rangers, you know, you're going to have to clear out some space and, and – um, and allow yourself to be able to pay this guy because I don't think you want to lose him for free, you know, for nothing. Right. Uh-huh. You know, and I don't think you want to wait and, you know, for the arbitrator to set his salary. Um, so you're going to have to clear out some space uh, somehow and, and uh, so that you're able to pay him. And, you know, don't forget, Braden Schneider is up after this year too. So, uh, right. you know, his, this is the last year of his rookie deal. So, um, you know, uh, so there, you know, he's going to have work to do again, but again, you know, he'll have more, you know, he'll have more to work with in terms of salary cap space. So, you know, Chris Drury has shown, I think, in, in this couple of years on a job that he, he, he will sign, he will get people signed, you know, and he'll make those decisions, um, when he needs to. Um, and if he needs to create space to, to keep Ryan Lindgren, I think he'll do it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I got, I, go ahead. I got one more question, Colin. I wanted to ask. Uh, speaking of uh, speaking of salary cap, uh, the one name we haven't touched on tonight is is Patrick Kane, and I wanted your opinion on that. Now, I. I a lot of Ranger fans have a serious problem with him coming here. I mean, they wanted him here, of course, but they, they, they hate him now. Like, they hated the performance. I don't see the hate. I really don't. I mean, yeah, he, he had a busted hip. Now, whether or not he hid that, slid it by, or Drury knew about it and rolled the dice, that remains to be seen. I, it will never be seen. Whatever the case, he had 12 points in 19 games coming here. And, you know, I think Marty St. Louis is a great example of, a, you know, a trading deadline guy that uh, didn't, get it together in the last few games until the playoffs and then he exploded. So, but I mean, 12 points in 19 games is not exactly terrible. And then he had six points in seven games, third highest uh, on the team in the playoffs and all with a busted hip. So I'm fine with his performance. So the question is, 
if when when he's back from surgery, which I guess would be November-ish, give or take, if he desperately wants to stay here uh, and, and would do it, having made his money, would and is willing to do it for like one point two, I don't know. Now we would, might have to maneuver some things to even make that happen. But let's just say we could find the cap space. Uh, I would love to not be able to sacrifice Barkley Goodrow. I know they were, uh, you know, his name was thrown around as a uh, possible you know, trade bait back in the, um, you know, back before the summer for, for a million dollars for the, for the cap. I, again, you know, my, my love for the, for the fourth, uh, for, you know, for the bottom six. And I love what he offers to that fourth line and to this team. So I would hate to, for him to be a casualty to make this happen, but would you be uh, in favor or against uh, him signing here? Um, you know, I would love him on, on, on the third line. I think uh, Kako, uh, Kako and Wheeler being the first two, I'm fine. If he's fine with a third line role, uh, is that something you would like to see if it's affordable, or do you against know, that? No, no, I'm not against that. I would not be against it. Absolutely. If uh, you know, I think he's a good player, and and, and beyond that, he's uh, he's a presence, right? So I mean, you're getting more than you know the points. But yeah, I, I hear you in the points, and, and I hear a lot of people, you know, the points are you you know you need to get points right you need to get uh, you, need to, you need to create offense and stuff but if they could bring him um and if they could somehow if they could find a way to afford him i i would i would think you, you know that you would want to have him i i would want to have him on the team i think he was good for them um and uh i think he'd be good for all of them he'd be good for panarin he'd be good for the young kids um he is a right wing a left-handed shooting right wing so again you know they 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 are overloaded with all left wings, and they're they're a little thin on the right side. So I mean, he would he would fit in on the right side. I think uh, I think it would be a good fit. But um, you know, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it because he's going to have to take one of those eight nine hundred thousand dollar deals or one million dollar deals. I mean, he's a guy who made ten million dollars last year, right? So uh, you know, I mean, how much is he gonna? You know, how little I should say would he be willing to play for? And um, what do you have to do to create that space to fit that, you know, that in there? If you can do it though, I would do it. You know, if, if it was me, I would do it. Cause I think, I think the value uh, now he'd be coming off an injury. So he's probably not, you know, he's certainly not going to get, you know, what, what he would if he were fully healthy. Um, there is, there are some question marks and stuff, but I, I would do it. If they could, if they could find a way to afford him, I would afford him. Oh. All right. Well, we, we've touched forwards and we've touched defense. Might as well go to goalies. Um, is, in your opinion, is Shesterkin ready to carry this team, not in the regular season, but to make that big, to be that hot playoff goalie that every team needs once the playoffs start? Um, what's this? His fourth year now, I guess, starting. And uh, he's always going to be in the shadow of Henrik because that's just how it is. But do you see him now at that stage when he's – and he always puts the team on his shoulders, but is he ready to do it when, when the playoffs spot? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see why not. I mean, he's, uh, he's, he's really good, you know. I mean, like, and he's proven it. Um, now, they, they went far two years ago, uh, or I guess in 2022, whether that's last year or two years ago, however you look at it. But, they, you know, so I, I think he's – I think he can do it, and I and I think he's, you know, put it this way, I'd rather have him than than you know, any number of goalies in this league. So, 
No, I think that uh, I think he's the man. I think he's the right guy for the job. Um, you know, good. I mean, this was the, this year was the first year he was completely healthy the entire season, right? So mm-hmm. hopefully that stays uh, that stays the case. Um, and then I, I I don't see any reason why uh, why he wouldn't be that guy that you're you're looking at. Um, you know, I mean, look, I mean, is is the is the goalie the guy who's going to like look? Henrik Lundqvist was was a great goalie, never won a cup, right? right. Um, you got to have the right team, you know. Uh, so I don't know that you could say that you know Igor is a guy that can't carry the Rangers. I think he can carry the Rangers, but they got to have the right team. Right. I just think I think he's good enough to do it. I don't think that there's any question there. Um, if if there is a question, you know, it's the thing is you, you got to get through the, the regular season, right? I mean, that's the nature of the NHL. You got to play 82 games, and you got to get through 82 games, and you got to make the playoffs, and then you got to play two more months. So, uh, you know, that balance of how much work does he get in the regular season and how much rest does he get? And, you know, is Jonathan Quick going to make that transition from being a superstar goalie and a Hall of Fame goalie to being a backup where maybe he's going to play 20 games, 30, you know, 25, 20, 25 games? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Shesterkin doesn't need a mentor, so it's not like Quick's going to come in and put his arm around him and, and you know, teach him little things. Hey, kid, this is how you do this. Nope. You know, he's going to come in and be a straight backup. You know, he's just got to play when, when Shesterkin's not playing. And, you know, that means he's going to not play um, regularly, right? And you remember how hard it was for Georgiev to, to, to do that? Quick's um, mm-hmm. in a different place because he's older, you know, and he understands the, the role coming in here. And, you know, he's he's coming to his, his favorite team that he grew up rooting for and, and all that. So, he's, you know, mentally he's probably in a different place. He's, Certainly a different place than Georgiev was when he was in that role, but um, but I think it's still a transition for him. You know, I think it's still you know he still was a guy that played most of the games last season, and then now he's going to come and and play one out of every four games. You know, and and maybe play that second night of a back to back, and you know maybe go a week without playing a game. And you know, I I think you know that's to me I think a little bit more interesting. That's I, I have a little bit more uncertainty about what we're going to get um, out of Jonathan Quick because this is a guy that's not, not used to being that. You know what I mean? So, and, you, and you need, out of that position, you need a guy that, you know, can play. And if he loses, he's got to sit for a week. Remember how it was with, uh, with, with Halak at the start of the year? He didn't win for the first X number of starts that he had. Right. And every time you win, I mean, it's a week before you get back in the net and, you know, and the pressure builds and so on and so forth. So, you still need that guy. He's only playing once a week or whatever it is. He's playing 20 games. You still need him to, to be good in those 20 games, right? Uh, let's see if, if Jonathan Quick can make that adjustment uh, and be, you know, the backup that you need. But in terms of being the starter that you need, the number one that you need, I, I, don't, I don't have any questions about Igor. Well, that's some good insights. More on Quick than on Igor if Igor to be – that guy, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I mean, what does Igor need to prove right now? I mean, yes, he needs to win a cup, okay, but that's not all on him. I mean, the rest of the team has to, to do it too. 
I don't I don't put that on him. I think he's good enough to do it. I mean, he, he showed me that he's good enough to do it. I don't I don't have any questions about him. If I have any questions, it's about the other guy. And and you know, the um, you know they got uh, in the minor leagues. You know, um, what's the what's the kid's name that they have in the minor leagues? Uh, um, I'm looking up right like here real Arland quick. Arland or something. No, the um, yeah, Dylan Dylan Garand, right? Exactly. Garand, so, yeah, Garand. Yep. You know, he uh, he did a nice. Uh, he had a. He's now going to have to be, I think, the, the third goalie, right? So, you might see him this year in the event that there is an injury or something. I mean, and uh, you know, so we'll see. He needs to have a good, strong season down there and be the number one in Hartford, and um, and and we'll we'll see if uh, someday he can either graduate and be be a you know a backup for the Rangers or or if he gets moved on somewhere and they can get an asset back for him or something like that but you know I don't I, goaltending is the least of their worries at this point I mean Igor is the man you know and then backing Igor up you have a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer I'm pretty sure so I'm not too not too worried about that and I'd like to add real quick to that with the goalie um Jonathan Quick pretty much coming home uh, in his backyard of uh, Connecticut, kind of like Chris Drury when he left the Sabres. So they kind of have that Connecticut hockey ties, uh, like Drury at the end of his career uh, with the Rangers uh, after leaving Buffalo and Jonathan Quick of all of the success he's had with the Kings. Uh, they from the same area, Connecticut. So there's always that intangible uh, comfortability level that I don't think Quick's going to have that issue. He knows his role. So I would agree with you, Colin, that the goalie situation is pretty much solid, I believe. He's going to want to perform in front of family and friends on the twilight of his career. Right, right. But the question is, but it is still, it's not an easy job playing once a week. Nope. So uh, he's going to, it's going to take some adjusting for him. And, you know, I mean, he's a pro and he's certainly, I, I don't, I'm not saying that he can't do it or he won't do it or it's going to be too hard for him to do. I think he'll do it. I just, I just think it's, you know, um, it might take a little bit for him to adjust to it. So, you know, I mean, it's a long season. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and kind of like in, in baseball, like with uh, Smoltz, how he was a starting pitcher all those years with the Braves and became a relief pitcher. It's kind of like the same thing with the goalie, like pitch, you know, coming in once a week versus all the games, you know, consistently. But what was your other thoughts? No, I, this is Glenn. I, I was just going to say his oh, stats ahead. were not good. His stats were not good last year. He 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 had uh, an above three goals against. His uh, save percentage right. was below nine. He did have a good year the year before. So you, you know you hope, like you say, he'll have that extra emotional boost uh, coming to play for the Rangers. Uh, you hope that that wasn't you know the beginning of a major downturn in, in ability for him. That uh, you know maybe it was just a one off. Uh, on, on a bad year, and he'll be able to uh, come back to, uh, you know, give the Rangers the the uh, backup goalie, uh, you know, that they need. And, uh, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic about him. I'm, I'm not sure either way, but I'm kind of optimistic that he's enough of a pro that he'll be able to, uh, uh, you know, do that. And the Rangers, you know, for years have always been successful when they have a good backup goalie. So, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to give them that this year. All right. And pretty much my final question, um, 
we, we, I think we're all in agreement. The rosters are pretty much in pen. So, Colin, this time last year, we thought the Rangers at worst would finish second, and then, of course, Jersey came out of nowhere with their crazy point turnaround. So, looking at the rosters <laughs> yeah. currently constructed, what do you think the Rangers finish based off what we know on their rosters right now? And, you know, outside the trade deadlines and stuff like that, you know. But right. what do you think they finish in the division? Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think they're, they probably would do what they did last year. I, I think it's going to be a battle all season long with those three teams, you know, with Carolina and, and, and the devils in the division. Um, Pittsburgh's going to be interesting now that they, you know, they, they got Eric Carlson, um, you know, that they missed the playoffs last year for the first time in, in a long time. And, you know, they clearly want to get back in, and 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 we'll see. We'll see how much of a difference Carlson makes. I think that uh, I think he'll make a difference. I think they'll get back in, but I, I think their big problem uh, remains. You know, they don't have an Igor Shesterkin um, in their goal. So, you know, I I I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a battle all season long with with the Carolina and the Devils and the Rangers, and you know, and that's. You know, if I had to pick, I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, I I don't I don't see why uh, you know why it would. You know, I, don't, I don't know what's going to make the difference. I don't know what's going to change change. You know, in the well, the Boston I guess is not going to be the same. So, um, you know, if you look at the other division, uh, you know they, they you know they lost Bergeron and lost Krejci, and you know, so I, I think that they may take a step back, Boston. Um, you know, but as far as this, you know, the division, uh, the Metropolitan Division goes, I, I think it's going to be Carolina Rangers, Devils, Pittsburgh. Those four are going to be battling all season long, and I don't know who's going to finish where exactly. I, but those those teams are all good. I mean, you know, the Islanders, you know, I think it's going to be rough. You know, it's going to be rough. They got in. They barely got in. They got in at the very end, and I, I just don't see how they're any better than they were. So I think it may be time for them to not get in anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we were hoping for that last year. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I think that they rode they – rode, uh, they, they got as much as they could have gotten out of this group. Um, and uh, I don't – you know, I mean, if you're looking, you're looking for say, all right, Pittsburgh didn't make playoffs, but now they're going to make it this year. Well, somebody's got to bounce out, right? Right. You know, that's why I would look. But no, I, I would expect the Rangers, Devils, Carolina, um, to be the class of the Metropolitan Division again, and uh, all three of them battling. And and you know, I couldn't tell you which of those three is going to be better. Um, you know, I mean, the Devils obviously finished, you know, a little bit ahead of the Rangers. Um, but I still think, you know, when, you know, when you look at the rosters, the Rangers have Igor Shesterkin and the Devils don't. So I, I, I think that that is an advantage for the Rangers. Mm-hmm. All right. Nice. Scott, you Carolina have one more question? Either, by the way. So, you know, Carolina doesn't have that, that goal either. So, you know, I think that uh, I'm always going to, feel like the Rangers have a really good shot to, to be first. Yeah, my question, uh, and, and I love what you said about the Islanders because I feel the same way. Um, I think that uh, 
you know, they had those two back-to-back conference finals years. It looked like they were going to take the next step. Um, I think Lamorello has completely lost it. He's completely lost his touch. Um, you know, then they went to a non-playoff year, didn't make any moves in the offseason, very low-level playoff team, and did nothing to uh, expand on that here. So, yeah, I, I think uh, – and I love the way you said it, by the way. That, that wording was fantastic. I think it's time for them uh, not to make it anymore. <laughs> I, 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 I laughed. I, I started laughing. I actually laughed out loud. That was hilarious. So I guess my question is – so I think we're all in agreement that the Rangers should be a playoff team. Do you think they are upper echelon, legit Stanley Cup contender? Uh, I guess there's several ways you could answer that. My answer would be they have the potential to be. Uh, I don't think that there's really anything missing, but they have the potential to be and that depends on the, uh, Kako, where Kako and Lafreniere are. That's my opinion. I think Kako is going to get a shot at the top six. Finally, uh, he has to he has to be legit top six. He has to take the next step and become you know again. I, I don't need a you know an all star superstar out of him, but he has to be a legit top six uh, right wing. And I think if Lafreniere can make some incredible uh, strides to become a, a next level player, so I think that. Um, you know, Keandre Miller, you know, he took a step back last year, but we know what he can do. He, I think he needs to return to greatness. So I think this roster, as is, has the potential to be a legit contender, but there's some question marks about the guys that we have. We don't, I don't think we have any holes to fill. I think that the guys that we have need to, uh, you know, be better than they've been. Um, where, where, where do you stand on that as far as, you know, legit Stanley Cup contender status for this team? No, I think uh, I, I think I'm right there with you. Uh, I think uh, you know they have a good team. They have, you know, they have a good number one center who's more of a true two way guy. Who's you know had 90 points last year, 91 points I think it was, and you know he he plays against the top lines. I mean, you know, so he and he and he holds his own the top lines. And, you know, and he's so. I mean, you, you know, that's a good place to be. They have Panarin, who's a very creative player, and they have Adam Fox. So, I mean, like they have guys who can produce offense, and uh, you know, and who are, you know, all-star level players. Um, Mika's never made an all-star team, I don't think, but Kreider has, Panarin has, Fox has. Um, so they have all-star level players uh, in their in their you know their top unit, and and I and I think. Um, and they have the goalie, right? So they have, they have, you know, one of the uh, he's on the short list for best goalie in the in the world, right? I mean, he's Tim and and uh, you know the the guy in Tampa, the guy on Long Island, uh, you know, there's a, there's a couple of guys that are that are really good, but Chesterkin's, you know, upper level goalie. So no, they're they're definitely good, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're there at the end, um, but they don't have you know, they don't have Connor McDavid and, and they don't have Leon Dreisaitl and they don't have Nathan McKinnon. They don't have that level guy, right? So I, I, I don't know that I'm going to go out on a limb and pick them to win the Stanley Cup, but I expect them to make the playoffs. So I expect them to win the first round playoff series. And then, you know, once you do that and you get down to the final eight, then anything can happen after that. I think they're, I think they're good enough. And of course, you know, Drury's going to do some stuff at the trade deadline. He's going to bring in some guys that are going to make the team better. Um, so I, I think that they start from a base of being good enough. 
and then you know they'll they'll make some additions at the deadline, and I think they have a chance. But am I am I going to pick them as my favorite to win the cup? No, I, I probably won't do that. But you know, I, I think they're in the mix. All right. Glenn, you have a, a final question for our happy guest? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think Scott somehow snuck into my house and got a peek at my question list, which, uh, <laughs> which happens very often when we get together. So I guess that just means we think alike. Uh, so I'm going to run down my list a little bit uh, further down. And um, I just want to bring up something that, you know, it's not a really sexy subject, but I think it's something important uh, for the success of the team. Um we all know Phil Housley, but I was pretty impressed when uh, I looked at the uh, uh, the kind of coaching careers and the way they go about things of Dan Muse and Michael Pecca. So I'm wondering what you think of the uh, coaching staff as a whole, and if you have any experience from interviewing any of these guys. I don't know if you were covering the Islanders when Pecca was there. Uh, I certainly remember him as a player. Uh, so I was just wondering what you think about uh, the uh, entirety of the coaching staff and uh, what roles, I assume Housley is going to be covering the defense, but what roles each of these guys are going to be playing? Well, I don't know what the individual roles are going to be. I suppose we'll, we'll ask uh, LaViolette, you know, when we get when we get to see him, whenever that is. That'll be in the next week or so. Um, but I, I like him. I'm told that, uh, you know, I, I talked to, to a buddy of mine, in, you know, that in Washington, uh, who told me that Pekka really made a a a, um, a difference for for the, he, he worked with uh, Washington um, as like a consultant or something. He wasn't on the full time staff or anything like that, but he'd help them out with like faceoffs and stuff. And and, he, and you know he was able to help them improve at that. Which as you as you guys know, if you're if you follow the Rangers, you know you know they they need to get better at faceoffs, right? That's one of the things they need to get better at. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, these guys um, are young guys, young-ish or young coaches, I guess, and um, they maybe will be able to relate to these players that aren't so much younger than they are. And, and uh, I, 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 you know, listen, who could have a problem with Phil Housley, right? And, and uh, right. Michael Peck problem with, with that guy, I mean, a guy that's, that's done it. Uh, played where you played and, and played the kind of games that those guys played, you know, um, they have knowledge to share. And, uh, and I, and I believe that they'll be fine. And, um, you know, it's just not to say that the guys that were here last season weren't good, but, you know, new voices and stuff. And I think it's, uh, I think it's a good staff, you know, and, and now, you know, do I know what every guy's going to do and do I know what the expectations are going to be for every guy? But I, I don't see why it wouldn't be. I mean, I trust La Violette, and you know, and certainly I've heard of these guys. I know these guys as players, and they were good players. So I would, uh, I would give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to be good coaches too. Yes. All right, Steve. Final thought. Uh, no final thoughts, uh, Mr. Colin uh, Stevenson. Thank you for joining the Ring Podcast with uh, Ranger Proud. Uh, great discussion with the guys, and uh, hope to have you in the future uh, during the regular season. And uh, we'll see how this goes. And I agree with your assessment on what it could look like through '82. It's just a matter of once we get through that '82, what's going to be playoffs within the division and then the matchups from there, unless we win the division. And I don't, not sure we're going to do that yet. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. They, they, you know, they didn't this year, and they didn't the year before, and you know, they're 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 close. But 
you know, that does make a difference. If you do win the divisions and you're playing, you know, you're playing the, the, the bottom team in, in the conference, um, you know, you're, that's, uh, that does make a difference. So, you know, that's, that's something that they should strive for in the regular season. Cause if, you know, we've, we've already seen it, um, you know, this spring, uh, the Devils right now are, are a tough matchup for them. So I think you want to avoid the Devils and play kind of anybody else. Right. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, I just wanted to say uh, thank you. We appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights with the team and taking time out of your day, getting ready for camp and all this week. So uh, we appreciate it, and I uh, hope to reach out to you again soon during the season. And we'll keep following all your stories on Newsday. Thank you again. I've had fun with you guys, and, you know, uh, yeah, I'll be happy to come back on. Let's, uh, you know, we'll stay in touch. All right, appreciate that. Yeah, you have a great well, night. And quick thoughts, uh, you know, like RP was saying, is watch out for Rangers Twitter out there. It's a really rough place out there, Rangers Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for Twitter, right? That's right. Or X, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> hey, real real quick, I got something for my final thoughts. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, the Chris Chelios jersey retirement. What happened? Uh, this, this this really, I thought that this was a fantastic story. I'm a little biased there because uh, it involves my favorite band, um, the greatest band in the history of music. Now that's an argument for another time, but uh, that band would be Pearl Jam, and they were playing out uh, in Chicago, and Chris Chelios, who was a big fan of the band, was there, and Apparently Pearl Jam knew his jersey was getting retired, but he didn't, and they brought him up stage. They, they, uh, Eddie Vedder called him out. He came on stage and he announced to the uh, to the Chicago crowd that the jersey was getting retired. Place went nuts. I thought that was a really great story, really good uh, feel good moment. I don't know if you guys uh, heard that or not. You can you can Google the story. It was uh, there's video of it. Uh, somebody was recording it. Uh, it was a good story. I like to see uh, Chris Chelios. Definitely a legend. Definitely uh, deserves it. And. Um, you know, it was a great. It was a great moment all around. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that story. Thanks for sharing. And my only, my only thought on that is, why are they just retiring Chris Chelios' number now? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the point. That's right. All right, gentlemen. Well, listen. Let me get going. I, uh, I got, uh, I got practice tomorrow. So you know, I got to get a good night's sleep and get ready for that. Enjoy. <laughs> Thanks, man. It was fun talking to you guys. Uh, have a good night. All right. Take care. All right, guys. That was Mr. Colin Stevenson on Newsday, beat writer for the Rangers. Uh, Mr. RP, you want to take us out? Or Glenn, uh, quick thought, final thoughts for everybody? Or we, we got that out of the way? Or, uh, or I think I got that out of the way. <laughs> Oh, we good? Okay, then we'll close the deal. We'll be back in what? Two weeks? Uh, matter of fact, Glenn Scott. RP, uh, in two weeks, uh, the Islanders and the Rangers have their preseason game. We'll do a live looking at 8 p.m. Uh, during that game. Just chime in what we see, what we like. You know, actual game action. This is actually the, the final true off-season episode before the regular season. Next, in two weeks, we'll talk some actual preseason hockey on what we actually see on the ice, and we'll, we'll talk about it, how we should do it on the Ring Podcast with Ranger Proud. Guys, fun episode, man. And we'll chop it up in two weeks. Congresso, ladies and gentlemen, bleed blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?